Hello, podcast listeners. Today's sermon is entitled Marks of Resurrection, and it was preached on the fourth Sunday of Easter, and I hope you find this helpful to you. We're continuing in the lectionary this morning with 1 John 3, 16-24, and I would invite you to attend to this good word. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word, which both comforts and challenges us, and we appreciate the love we receive in our lives. Help us to show it to others on a more consistent basis and help our meditations on this passage move us in this direction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on August 16th, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport, killing 155 people and leaving just one survivor, a four-year-old from Tempe, Arizona named Cecilia. News accounts say that when rescuers found Cecilia, they did not believe she had been on the plane. Investigators first assumed she'd been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway onto which the plane crashed. But they soon discovered that she was indeed a passenger on this downed airliner. They believed that Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother Paula unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms around Cecilia, and would not let her go. Cecilia has become a mark of resurrection in this life. She should be dead if not for the love of her mother who saved her life. And as I speak about marks of resurrection, I'm reminded of John's gospel where Thomas doubts the resurrection of Jesus because he was absent when the other disciples first saw the risen Lord. Thomas states specifically, unless I see the mark of the nails and the place where his side was pierced, I won't believe. He wanted to see these marks and even touch them in order to come to belief in the resurrection. While there has been some debate on whether the resurrection appearances were physical or just visual in nature, this story led the early church to land on a physical appearance as Jesus has Thomas touch the healed over scars. These are marks of resurrection. They show us that Jesus did indeed suffer. It wasn't all a dream. We didn't just imagine it, and he didn't either. It was painful for him, and he died. Some early sects of Christianity didn't think that Jesus actually suffered. They didn't believe that his body was physical. They were called docetists, and this was from the Greek word meaning to seem. 
So according to them, Jesus only appeared to suffer on the cross. It was all really an illusion. This was declared heresy as it takes away from the real significance of the incarnation. It begs the question, well, did God walk as a human being or not? Have you ever had someone doubt your own experience of trauma? Ever had anyone downplay it? (laughs) How did that make you feel? Some people are always going to outdo you. You broke your leg? Well, they broke both of their legs. (laughs) Your parents got divorced? Theirs got divorced, remarried, and then got divorced again and at a more tender age than you. (laughs) You miss work for a week with the flu? They were hospitalized and almost died. (laughs) If someone minimizes your own suffering, they are in a way denying your reality and dismissing you. And this is what Christianity ultimately decided that the Docetists did with Jesus. They denied the reality of his suffering. Sometimes we may do this because it is difficult to confront the reality of pain and trauma. We may actually do this because we are tenderhearted and we don't want anybody to go through agony. And so if someone is depressed, sometimes the depressed person may hear responses like, well, it's all in your head, or no one ever said life was fair, or you should get out more. While we may have good intentions, these can be dismissive statements that minimize the suffering of another even if they're intended for good. And the depressed individual is less likely to come to you for help in the future. And so our scripture reminds us that Jesus laid down his life for us. He actually suffered and died. And as his followers, we seek to lay down our lives for others. And while we may not have the opportunity to physically die for someone else, like the mother of four-year-old Cecilia, There are places where we can make sacrifices for the good of someone else. John and Mary Ellen Patterson had four children. Two of the children, John Jr. and Laura, were perfectly healthy. The other two children, Elizabeth and Will, were born with a genetic disorder known as cystinosis, which often leads to loss of kidney function. At 16, Elizabeth suffered kidney failure and underwent a successful transplant from an anonymous deceased donor. Her father, John, had wanted to donate a kidney, but testing ruled him out. A short time later, the father, John, died suddenly from a massive heart attack. John Jr., 15 at the time, felt a new responsibility take shape in his life. As he watched Will go through dialysis, and having seen the great struggle his sister went through, John thought to himself, if I can change this in any way possible, I will. When John Jr. turned 18, his opportunity came. He was tested to see if he was a transplant match for his brother Will, and he was. And so John Jr. told his mother at the time, I watched you take care of Elizabeth and Will my whole life, and I always wanted to do something, and now's my chance. Well, the surgery was a success, and after receiving his brother's kidney, Will earned a 4.0 grade point average for his second semester, despite having to play catch-up the whole year. He spends his days engaged in carefree fun with his friends. Let's call it what it is, Mary Ellen says of John Jr.'s decision. It was a huge sacrifice that gave his brother his life back. And I think John's life will be better because of the gift he gave. John Jr. likely had a nice scar from where he donated his kidney to his brother Will. And one could look at it today and see it as a mark of resurrection. His gift allowed life for another. And so this impacted at least two lives significantly, his brother Will and his own. 
Wouldn't this change you for the better if you had the sure knowledge that you saved someone's life? Okay, so you may not be willing to give a kidney to somebody, (laughs) but what if we just saw one another? What if the love we had for others was being willing to see them? In the September-October 2007 issue of Today's Christian, Shirley Shaw tells the story of how the sacrifices of a successful cabinet maker named Terry Lane continue to change a drug-riddled neighborhood in Jacksonville, Florida. Lane states, My business had prospered to the point my 40-man staff needed more space to produce the quality cabinets for which Midlane was well known. And so we found an ideal location in northwest Jacksonville and in 1985 built a 25,000 square foot state-of-the-art plant that was soon humming with activity. Life was good, but my peace and comfort were short-lived. Almost immediately, problems erupted. Every night, the burglar alarm sounded and I was summoned to the plant by police officers. Broken windows, shots fired, bullet holes in the walls, stolen equipment, vandalism, even incinerated cars in the parking lot. So one night an officer asked me, what possessed you to build a plant this close to the rock? (laughs) What do you mean the rock, I ask? The Cleveland Arms Apartments, he responded. More crack cocaine is sold here than anywhere in Jacksonville. So we call it the rock. And he proceeded to enlighten me about my new neighborhood. The 200-unit subsidized housing complex was occupied by drug dealers, prostitutes, and felons, a place considered so dangerous police were hesitant to go there. Well, as I sat mulling over the situation, from out of nowhere, a thought so clear it was almost audible. If you'll love those who despitefully use you, I'll take care of it. Stunned and shaken by God's admonition, I wondered how I'd obey this gentle command. Then I sensed him say, forget all about the shooting and all the garbage. Look at the children. Well, days went by as I prayed for my neighbors and tried to figure out how to connect with this community. So I bought several basketballs, wrote Jesus loves you and Mr. Lane loves you on them and threw them over the fence into the complex. There's no immediate reaction, but at least they didn't throw them back. (laughs) Then one Saturday, while I was working alone, I stepped outside for a break. I heard the noise of children playing beneath a tractor trailer parked on our property. When they saw me, one of them said, There's the man! And they all started running. Wait! I called. Would you like something to drink? Four or five little kids followed me into the plant where I opened the soft drink machine and gave them a cold soda pop. Well, they went home, and I didn't think any more about it. And then on Monday afternoon, I heard a commotion in the lobby. And I went and I saw the receptionist say, Can I help you? (laughs) As I walked down the hallway, I heard one little kid ask, Where's the big man with the beard? And turning the corner, I saw 16 kids in the lobby looking for me. Well, they were looking for the man with the key to the drink machine. And this was the beginning. Suddenly, 35 children adopted me, coming to my office every day after school instead of going home. There was really nothing for them to go home to. And so day after day, I worked at my drafting table while I was surrounded by kids on the floor, busily coloring or doing other crafts that I had brought. Thus began the journey that would change my world and that of many kids 
whose addicted parents left them to fend for themselves. Lane writes that years flew by and the kids I mentored became a part of my life. Can you see the marks of resurrection? Maybe these marks are a cabinet-making plant plunked down next to a housing project. Maybe these marks are the willingness of Terry Lane to see children who need love rather than see them as vandals who want to tear up his property. You may not be ready to mentor 35 kids from the inner city, but what about asking yourselves to look at others differently? What if the marks of resurrection in your life are the places where you have suffered and instead of making you hard, they make you compassionate and willing to help someone else who may go, be going through something similar today. No matter what you think, you didn't get through your problems on your own. When we think that way, we don't see resurrection as much as self-resilience. Maybe the marks of resurrection for us are the harsh words that sometimes people return for our kindness. Maybe as we continue to reach out, because that's who we are in Christ, we find that our words of care soften someone else's scars from where they've been wounded. If we are consistent in our loving action, it won't just seem that Christians care. It will be a reality. And our words become marks of resurrection for a world that could use a little kindness. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. May it be so for us today. Amen.